Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ, and then to be sanctuary to each other, and express sanctuary to this city. And so, for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be jumping back into our Just Jesus series. Um, For a while now, I think, on and off, we have been looking at um, the Gospel of Mark and really kind of doing a deep dive into just the life of Jesus as Mark kind of tells it. Um, and today I have the privilege, I've actually kind of sneakily timed it so I would get this passage because I wanted to do this passage. So I get to do the feeding of the 5,000 and the kids are doing the feeding of the 5,000. So you're, we're all looking at the same thing. Because um, I really felt actually that God kind of spoke to me. I don't know if it was a devotion I read or something, but he really spoke to me about this, these verses specifically for our church and kind of where we're at at the moment. Um, So I feel excited about just, yeah, I guess kind of a bit of a prophetic edge to what I want to share that this story is so familiar to us, but I really feel like God wants to speak something fresh to us just at the beginning of this year. So this story in Mark um, is really significant because I think it is one of the only, if not the only, gospels, um, miracle story that is shared in all four gospels. Um, which means it's pretty significant. It's kind of different in each one, um, slightly different, but all four gospel writers share this story, Um, which I think, I mean, there's so many ways you can go with this story, and I'm very tempted to go every single way, but (laughs) I'm going to try to focus in. Um, So the context of this, Robbie was actually the last one to speak, from Mark, he got the wonderful passage of John being beheaded, <laughs> the one everyone wants. Um, but he did an amazing job, and he spoke about kind of the cost of dis- discipleship and the importance of um, speaking up against sin. Um, but I'm beginning today with this story when Jesus, we kind of one of the gospels, I think it's in Matthew. It actually says Jesus has just heard that John the Baptist has been killed, his cousin. Um, In in Mark, he doesn't actually say that, but we kind of, we know it must have been at that time. Um, So we know that Jesus is in a place of grief. He's he's human. He's going to need to maybe take some time to think about this. And in Matthew's gospel, it actually says that he, on his own, wants to get away. Um, The other thing we know at the beginning of this is that the disciples are returning from their first kind of solo ministry trip. They've been off to do the stuff on their own, and they're coming back, and they're kind of exhausted, got all the things to tell Jesus, probably stories of joy, but probably stories of kind of failure and disappointment as well so they're tired so the beginning of this story is one of kind of tiredness everybody wanting a break so we're going to read this passage 
And then like we um, always do at Sanctuary, although we've got a few more people here today, we're going to split into groups and then discuss kind of what, what we take. So I think us actually being active in this process um, is really helpful. We really take it in if we really look at these scriptures for ourselves. So I'm just going to read the verses first, but you do have to listen because you have to then, then talk about it in the groups. So this is Mark 6, starting at verse 30, and it should appear up there. Okay, so it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, but that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. And probably a few women and children too. So. We're going to split into maybe more than two groups, but this side of the room, you can kind of discuss with maybe groups of four or three who you're sitting with. What does this tell us? What does this passage, if you're looking at it kind of with fresh eyes, you're not remembering back to Sunday school, you are thinking, what does this tell us about God? What jumps out to you now? What does this tell us about who God is? Why why is this why this miracle why did this happen and then this side just split into some groups and we're going to look at what does this tell us about people about humans what what is human in this and what what does it tell us about the human condition the disciples the crowds um and then we're going to come back to discuss I won't pick on anyone. You can volunteer. Okay, go. Okay, one minute. One minute. Okay, let's come back together.
All right. Okay, let's have um, volunteers from this side of the room. Um, so, so what does this tell us? What does this passage tell us about God? Robbie. Absolutely. And we are going to come back to that. Very good. Anything else? Anything different to that about what it tells us about God? But that compassion, um, I don't know, yeah, where that comes from. There's something bigger, a bigger purpose. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What about you guys? What does it tell us about people? Never prepared. <laughs> Never prepared. Yes. Yeah. 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 They always seem to forget. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? It's just, yeah, kind of like something as practical as eating is okay. It's yeah. not like Jesus tells them off. It, it kind of is quite releasing that he's bothered about. I mean, that's kind of about God as well, but yeah. that it, it tells us that their needs are important and that's that's quite a relief that we don't have to just be stoic and tough 
But even something is... Yeah, he doesn't tell them, oh, you've just got to fast. Yes. It, there is a sense of... Yeah. Yeah, recognising that they will need to be fed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm not on that side of the room. <gasps> that, that comment made me early. I was just thinking, it kind of tells us that we're excitable, actually, because if you think about it from their perspective, like none of them thought to bring food. They yeah. were just like, we're just going to, we, yeah. we know where they're going, we're going to yeah, yeah. run. And like they were just so caught up in it that they just took off. And none of them thought to bring food, yeah. except for like, well, the other stories tell us like one boy. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I need food. <laughs> <laughs> one little boy. Yeah. That's so funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And there's something kind of cool about that, yeah, like that there was just, a, I'm going to leave everything and go and follow Jesus. So in some ways you don't blame them for not, yeah. not having food with them. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm probably going to look at all of those things touch on all of them there were three things that stood out to me from just this passage um, that I just want to touch on and I'll probably look at the last one for the longest Um, one which is rest one which is compassion and then the third one which is about us giving giving what we have and how almost that's like a progression that it's not that God doesn't want us to rest. Rest and restoration is so important to him. Um, but he wants us then to be led into compassion, <laughs> stirred by compassion, not an ought to do it, but a genuine heart, kind of our hearts being moved because Jesus lives in us. But then also a sense that, well, what can I give? Like, because some of us probably don't feel like we have a lot to give, like the disciples. So first of all, rest. I mean, I love this, and I feel like we all need to hear this. Um, like we went to England for a month, so I think everyone's like, "Oh, I bet you're feeling really refreshed." And then when you actually look at that month that we were there, um, we just we didn't stop. It was wonderful, but there was not really rest involved in that. It was all about making sure we just got absolute maximum time with everybody we possibly have ever known in England. Um, So I think we were in about 15 different places. There was not much rest. And I'm sure a lot of us feel like that after the holidays. Um, I mean, Americans are crazy. I've said this before. With the Halloween and the harvest, then the Thanksgiving, then the Christmas. I'm just like, it's like holidays basically from about August. I feel like the Christmas lights are up. And it's, it's exhausting, especially if you're the one who is hosting or if you're the one who's traveling. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us are coming back to the city or just getting back into things this week. And there's a sense of, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to feel rested, but I, I don't really feel that rested. I feel like I need like a, a day away. I feel like I need time on my own. And I absolutely love that this story starts by Jesus saying to his friends, you need to rest. Um, I think we know from what has just happened to his cousin that he probably needs to rest as well and spend some time on his own. Um, That he shows such kindness to them. Like they've just been doing what he's been doing constantly since his ministry started. But he recognises that it takes its toll on human beings to be serving, to be praying for people. Um, to be giving out and he says to them 
come away by yourselves to a quiet place and rest. Um, I think what I really noticed here as well is that he, he's not saying, um, I don't know, like, I don't know what would be the equivalent to like Netflix in those, in, in, in like those days, but I'm sure there was some like entertainment. He's not saying, oh, let's go and do this really fun thing to rest your soul. He, which for, for us often we can think, oh, rest. Okay, I'm just going to zone out in front of the TV. I'm going to drink a lot of coffee. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rest doing something fun. But it can often not really rest our souls. Um, but what he's saying is draw away. And I think often when we think about rest, we forget that part. We forget the drawing away from the screens, drawing away from the people, drawing away from the noise. And that was so important to Jesus and his own ministry. Even though he was God, he needed to do that, like to go up to the mountaintop or to go into the desert or to go somewhere away from people. It was, it was a choice to do that. Um, even though he obviously had friends and he loved having meals with people and socializing, he chose to withdraw. And I think often we're like, oh, that would be so amazing to do that. But when we do get free time, we don't choose <laughs> to do that. We don't choose to take ourselves off, you know, even for a couple of hours um, to go somewhere on our own and just be with God and have that quietness and solitude um, and silence, which actually are very biblical principles. And something I know like for Tom, my husband, um, I think has been really significant in his ministry is just a discipline of solitude and silence, even when it doesn't feel natural, even when it's not what our, our body is telling us we need. Our body's telling us, oh, I wanna go out and do this, I wanna do this with my free time, and I wanna watch this, and I want to, you know, do this with friends, but actually what you need is to withdraw and just be with God so you can hear that still, quiet voice. And um, he really recognizes that for the disciples, that that's what they need. And um, yeah, I guess I just want to challenge you that at the beginning of this new year, kind of nobody else can do that for you. I mean, you might have someone who's like, I'll take your kids or I'll give you the day off work. But the reality is you have to make that choice um, to be like, put it in your calendar to be like, I am going to have, even, you know, it'd be amazing if it's a night away. But even if it's just two hours of I'm going to go to the beach on my own, I'm going to go and sit somewhere where there's no distractions and just take stock and just let God speak. Um, just give him some silence. And that sounds so practical, but I feel like for me, that's a challenge. I'm so quick to fill it with other things that I think will rest me when actually making a choice to just kind of have a date with God. That sounds so cheesy, sorry. Yeah. Like just that no, I'm actually meeting with God during that time, away from my distractions. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like for those of you who I'm sure there is people in this room um, who maybe you do feel like you've almost even gone past that point, it feels a bit like you're drowning in all the things you've got to do. Um, I think sometimes you need someone else to help you in that. Actually, the thought of time on your own can be really scary. Sometimes you need to say to someone, I need someone to pray with. 
I need to take stock with someone because I need someone to kind of hold me accountable or hold my arms up for me during this time. Mm. Um, but going to someone and being honest that I really need help is, that I think that's also a huge part of rest to be like, I'm going to put this right before I, you know, come and spend this time with God. And we often can do that through others. So, yeah, I, I love that he invites them into rest. It's very um, familiar to us in the Gospels. Um, I was looking at Matthew, how he, he says that um, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He recognizes that as humans, we get tired, we need rest, we need to be refreshed. So, so the disciples are given this invitation to rest, but just like Billy said, <laughs> it's kind of hard because they're given this invitation to rest. They get on the boat with Jesus and probably the bit of time on the boat is the only time they really get, which is really sad and hard. I'm really hoping it was a big lake <laughs> and that it took a long time to get to the other side. Um, but that was definitely Jesus's heart to give them rest. But when they get to the other side of the lake, this is supposed to be a desolate place. The crowds are there. And, and just as, yeah, Billy said, rather than Jesus being, no, I said, we're gonna stick to our schedule. His heart goes out to these people. He experiences compassion. He experiences just love and he wants to minister to these people and I think man that's such a challenge to the disciples <laughs> okay but you're God Jesus you're you know you're gonna be you're gonna do the right thing but for them it must have been like oh I don't want you know I need a rest but he they they choose to give they they don't say no it says that they they work on the crowds they ministered to the crowds um, in this part it's really um, significant that Mark says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Um, these, these people were following him wherever he went. They didn't really even know who he was at this point. He hadn't really declared, I am the son of God. He, but they knew he had a significant message and they wanted a leader. And... Um, yeah, N.T. Wright, um, in his commentary, talks about how this phrase, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, is really significant. And actually, that phrase is used so many different times in the Old Testament um, and in other places in the New Testament to refer to this kind of group of people, the Israelites, who didn't really have a leader or had a leader, but it wasn't a good leader. And so they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so in Mark, using that phrase, Obviously, Mark knows the end of the story, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he will die, he will rise again, he is the Saviour, he's the Messiah. Using that phrase, they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Anyone reading this who is a Jew would know he's actually referring to the fact that he is their king. He wants to be a king to this kingless people. And he feels compassion on them because he, not just because you know, they're there and they're following him around, but because he knows what they represent is this people group who long to 
have a king. They, they're waiting for their Messiah. They're, they're longing to be led um, and to come into all the things that God has got for them. Um, so there's the, the rest, the promised rest, then Jesus taking them into, um, with him, just taking them into this compassion, this sense of, no, we do need to lead these people. Um, there's people pounding on the door. <laughs> we need to let them in. We need to serve them. And so then the disciples come to him and say, look, it's getting late. You've been preaching. You know, that's great. But they need to go home now. You know, they, there's nowhere for us to get food here. Um, we didn't think about that. You know, they can't you know, we're going to look really bad if we don't give them any food. It's like a big conference and you haven't thought about the fact that all your delegates need food. And, and it's funny, I don't know how many of you watched The Chosen, but with The Chosen, um, which is a, like a film kind of series of, of the Gospels, um, there is a real sense that the disciples are almost feeling responsible for like Jesus on tour. There's a sense that it's like, where are we going next, Jesus? Okay, we're going to hit this place and like... And they almost feel responsible for kind of all the mechanics behind the scenes and um, yeah, making sure people know that he's coming, they're advertising there. And I think you feel that with this, that they're like, guys, we didn't think about food. They need to leave. And, and Jesus just turns to them and says, but you need to feed them. You need to give them something to eat. And obviously the disciples are completely overwhelmed there's thousands of people there and they do not have at this point they don't think they have anything um another commentary i looked at um edwards says the disciples are swept away by the magnitude of the problem the disciples focus on what they lack but jesus focuses on what they possess the problem will not be resolved by something beyond them, but something from among them. Jesus sees the possibilities where they see only the impossibilities. For God can multiply even the smallest gifts if they are made available to him. And I guess this was kind of the main thing that I really felt God speaking to me about, kind of about this passage, because I think it's something I really struggle with in my own life, that feeling of lack. And I think as a church, um, we can feel like, do we have the resources <laughs> to, to do all the things that we really wanna do? Um, and I, yeah, I felt like God really speak to me about, well, what, what do you have that you can give me? And um, yeah, I, I was reminded of situations in my own life, like things like, if Tom said to me, which does happen occasionally, I've invited some people for dinner and I'm at work and like, right. <laughs> so, you know, and you know, you're not going to get time. You've got to get a kid to a club after school. You're going to get home at like six and you know, there won't be wiggle room to go and buy stuff. You know, the house is a mess. You know, like the bathroom is dirty. In our house, it probably is as a guinea pig in a shower like Lily often brings the guinea pig inside and the, he, she lives in the shower room 
you know, there's a dog. That creates, you know, can create, he barks, you know, all the things. Um, just that feeling of like, ugh, shame. And we don't have enough to be able to give to people right now. I want to present something put together. I want to present something that looks like I've really tried. And I want to present something good because I want those people to think I'm really impressive, you know? And, and then Tom being Tom will be like, but they just want to hang out with us. And I'm like, okay, but I can only give them corn dogs. Like, I, this is embarrassing. And it's like, but actually, the reality is those times which feel kind of crazy and you're inviting them into the mess and to be honest, you're inviting them into the reality of what your life is actually really like. <laughs> it's not the pre-prepared, everything's ready, candles and wine and music and... It's, it's the reality. Um, actually, those times are usually more fun and people feel more loved and that spontaneous, just like, let's come together and just eat what's in the freezer, all the leftovers and the guinea pig can join in and the dog and, you know, those, those times actually you feel really loved when you walk into people's homes when then that's what when people are just like just come and see us in our madness um but i know i struggle with that as much as i love as much as i love the idea of that i know i still yeah. find it really hard to invite people in where if they're going to see like that messy side of me um and i think some of what's going on with the disciples in this situation is that they want to look like they've got this all together jesus is this like superstar traveling around preaching bringing these amazing teachings this amazing message they're starting to realize who jesus is he's the messiah they want this to be like elvis you know they want this to be like coldplay and this is like good there's food there's music there's lights and actually it's really humble they haven't even got food and so he, he says to them, you give them something to eat. Go, and he says, go and see. Go and see what you have. And so they go and see. They come back. They have five loaves of bread and two fish. And I think they're embarrassed even coming to him. Like, well, this is what we have. This is, we have corn dogs, you know. <laughs> this is all we have. And... And he's like, okay, I can work with that. I can, I can use that. And them actually coming to him with something is so much more powerful and so much more significant. And um, to Jesus, is like them bringing this gift, this, this sacrifice. That them just saying, well, we've got this. Can we do anything? <laughs> it's so, um, it makes Jesus so happy, I think. Them just bringing what they have. That then he's able to do this incredible miracle with it. And he says, okay, get them sitting down in groups. And he manages to share. He doesn't just go like, oh, well, we won't bother with that. I'll just do my thing. I'll do my magic. He's like, okay, and he, you're amazing. I mean, there's so many things. 
So the fact that it says that he broke the bread obviously makes us start to think about what we know and what Mark knows he's going to do in a few weeks' time where he has the Last Supper with the disciples. He breaks the bread and he says, this is my body. Um, And so the fact that he doesn't just throw that aside and go, don't worry, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring them all like an amazing like Thanksgiving feast. Don't worry. He actually uses their humble offerings, breaks it in front of them and somehow distributes it. And I love the fact that it says the disciple, he gave it to the disciples to distribute. So even though they felt so weak and so like, oh, this is really embarrassing because they probably still couldn't see whether there was going to be enough. He still uses them and says, you go and distribute it to everyone. And I bet they were like, don't have too much. <laughs> don't have seconds. Um, like, but obviously we know that then there was 12 baskets left over. So with Jesus, there is just no, there's no lack. He went over and beyond what they actually needed. And I guess like the application for us, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but we can feel completely the same as them, as I said about the having people over. But in our own lives, I think, whether it's to do with our time, whether it's to do with like, our finances, um, whether it's to do with our gifting or lack of gifting, um, just our skills, maybe it's where you're at in your career right now, maybe where you're at in terms of um, relationships or family. Um, we can feel like what we have to bring is like a joke. <laughs> like, I don't really have anything to bring. Um, like, I can give maybe like one, you know, Sunday a month to help with the kids' rotor. Or I can, I can, maybe I could help do some admin. Or, you know, maybe with friends, it's like, maybe I can help this person. I know they're having a hard time. Maybe I could give them an hour a week. You know, we could just go for coffee and like, I can encourage them. But we feel like our offerings, the things we can bring are so small. And the enemy lies to us that there's no point even there's no point even bringing those things because they're embarrassing and they're not impressive and they're not good enough and they're just going to be a drop in the ocean and and i think really the fact that the disciples brought this tiny little basket of food to jesus is crazy the fact they even bother bringing it to him is crazy because there was obviously thousands of people to feed but somewhere in them maybe there was that thought he can he can do something with this and maybe there was that little seed of faith that well might as well might as well bring what I have and I I just feel like a challenge for me and a challenge for all of us um I just feel like what what is God asking us to bring you know, it might be to do with church, it might be to do with our finances, um, it might be to do with our family life, um, our work. Um, but what, what is it that God is challenging us 
that he has given us to bring, however small that might be. Um, Tim just mentioned in the announcements um, our sanctuary fund. And I know for me, like, you know, money is, we live in San Francisco, money is tight. And, but, and it can feel like giving just $100 or $50 is like, what is the point of doing that? Because it's not going to make any difference. But actually, it does, it's something, that's our heart, it's our heart that really matters. So giving, however small, will always bless God and will always bless others. But it makes God so happy when in our vulnerability we give out of our weakness. Um, yeah, as I was looking at this, I was just reminded of Jesus um, later on in Mark when he talks to the disciples about the widow's offering. When she comes, um, she comes and I think someone before her has come and he's rich and important, he's put lots in and he's done it with big fanfare and but she comes and just in a very small, quiet, probably a bit embarrassed way, she puts her two little pennies or two half pennies, whatever, in the pot. And Jesus is like, she's given everything that she could have given. This means so much more to me than a rich person giving out of their plenty. She has given more, you know, in terms of like relatively speaking. And... And I think that's what I want to challenge people today, I guess, and challenge myself. Like what, what are we able to give at the moment? And not give like necessarily to, to even to people, but give to God. What is our offering, our worship to him at the moment? And however small that might be, um, Jesus just loves it when we choose to give and we do it with the right heart attitude and yeah a frozen pizza with someone um, can be the most incredible like feast the most amazingly meaningful um, time with someone because you're saying just come and just come and be with me you're giving them time you're giving them your attention um, just a text you know it might be we really I mean I totally get it some people in this room have jobs where you are you know it's intense and God knows that but a text to someone or um, a quick call or a note like just encouraging someone because they pop into your head that can change somebody's month that could change someone's year you know just you encouraging them in something specific and those things just show and demonstrate faith it's a little a little risk a little step into saying holy spirit i want you to lead me so lastly um it doesn't mention it in mark but in john in john's account of the feeding of the five thousand um kind of the next day the disciples are maybe asking him what was that all about you know explain it to us and this is when he says i am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst 
And I mean, just you could do about, you could do a 10 week series on just the word bread in the Bible. Um, but the fact that he basically is saying to them, these people were coming to me, they were wanting to see signs and wonders. Then obviously they were hungry, they wanted to be fed, but they're gonna be hungry again. But actually what I wanna give them is myself. I want them to be wanting me. Um, it's not about what he provides. So, you know, we might be in a place of need right now in our lives, but actually, yes, God wants to provide for those needs, but he wants to provide something so much bigger. He wants to provide himself. Um, and another quote, just to finish, by this guy, Edwards. He says, the miracle brings the divine will to perfect expression. For God's wills, to fill his creatures with himself. Mm. He wants to fill us with himself, to meet their needs with his surplus, to expand their smallness by his greatness, and to transform mundane life into abundant life. And I just think that's so wonderful. He is providing for them. And usually when I've looked at this story, it's been all about, it's all about provision, provision, God provides. But actually, the deeper meaning is that he's wanting us to come to him, trust him with this small, this small kind of picnic, um, give what we have, and then he will give us back so much more. He will give us himself so that we can eat on him and never be hungry again. Okay, so yeah, I think we're going to do a, a response. Oh, we're going to do communion. Am I doing that? Tim's doing that. Excellent. We're going to do communion in response. And I guess just while we do communion, and I think we're going to sing a final song, I guess just, I just want you to think about kind of at this point in your life, where we're at in January 2023, but what, what do you have right now that you can bring to God that can be used by him, that can be multiplied by him? Um, however small it is, you know, his word tells us that that widow's penny, that little boy's picnic, those things are just so beautiful to him. And us coming in our vulnerable, vulnerability and saying, use what I have, just, it just means everything to him. Cool. Thank you. Should we thank Josie? Yeah. Thank you.